Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Well, welcome to episode two. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Aaron, my co-host, so you can get to know him and his story. I kind of wanted to back up, though, to where I first met you. Well, yeah, first actually met you, met you. We were in, You were in grad school. I was out. I had been, and they had this program where, in the advanced marriage class, where they'd ask mentors to come back and say, and to sit with uh, the students to when they were doing triads, you know, so you were in a group of three and then there was uh, me that I was just on the outside and I'm supposed to give feedback for how your, how your counseling and therapy is going. Of course, it's all fake. Everybody's making stuff up and everybody's choosing roles. And back then I know that everybody hated it, you know? So I, I remember thinking though, this guy's good. This guy has got a lot of intuition. He, he really is tuned in and, 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 <laughs> I hate to say this, but like you reminded me of me a little bit. So I was like, I mean, I know I'm awesome. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, that was my first impression. And then uh, later, a little later, there was that luncheon thing that they had. I don't know why they did it. Some lunch mixer thing. And I, I saw you again there and I, and, and then you came up, you're such a networker. You came and started saying, I don't remember what you said. And that was when I, you had mentioned that you were, like I had already started private practice, but you had mentioned like you were asking me questions about it. And I realized this is the only guy I've met that's even thought about like the business side of it. I, I'd never talked to anybody before. And the questions you were asking were challenging. Cause I was like, I don't know. I just did this. I, you know, literally last year. So as you think back, when was, when was the first time that uh, you thought maybe I want to be a counselor? That's a good question. Um, and I, I do remember that. And um, it's funny how I remember the same things, but maybe this is just age, but um, I don't remember any of the specifics. But yeah, I remember that mixer and, and connecting with you and the other guy. Um, I can't remember his name. and just really feeling like, wow, like, I feel like I fit in with these guys. Man, those are fun times. Uh, and to be so young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to answer your question, um, you know, it's funny. I, like, I did not know that I wanted to be a counselor probably until the end of my undergrad career. When I was in, I think it was middle school, I would say, uh, I was, to me, it felt like I was randomly selected <laughs> to be, uh, to, to join this club that was called Natural Helpers. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Random. what is a natural helper? <laughs> and people were like, you know, you just like helping people and it just comes naturally to you. And I thought, oh, Okay. And like, yeah, you were selected for this group. So I remember being uh, nominated for this or joining this club or whatever. And I don't really remember what else we did other than we were just were sort of in the school sort of uh, commission to be a friend to people and help out where we could. And maybe it was kind of like a mini superhero or, of sorts. Uh, maybe that's the message I tell myself looking back. <laughs> um, but it really wasn't anything special uh, at the time to me. But now looking back, I can see that was like the seed of being a counselor. It was like the first time I really thought about, 
okay, maybe this counselor thing was kind of in me as a, as a personality when I was a lot younger. When I went into undergrad, um, I was going to be an art major, believe it or not. <laughs> and now that I have kids of my own, I've, my older son is very artistic and I can kind of see that in him. So it kind of makes sense looking back a bit. Uh, I thought I was going to be an art major, but um, now I'm so glad I did not go into that because I took one art class and actually hated it. I just would like to do sort of creative things on my own. But I was going to take an art class and one of my friends from high school also went to college with me. Shout out to Kim. Hey, what's up? Um, She took a Psych 101 class and I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to be in a class with her. So psychology. Okay, sure. I'll take that. And I loved it. It was awesome. It was like a survey of all kinds of different topics within psychology. I just, I really enjoyed it. And so I just took the next step and the next step. And it really, so to answer your question, it really wasn't until I was deep into the psychology major in uh, undergrad, looking forward towards graduation and deciding what am I going to do with this degree? I was looking at like this brochure of all the things you can do with a psych degree and counseling came up and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe it, you know, relates to this, this natural helper thing that I had going on and I enjoyed people. So yeah, let's give that a try. And that's when I knew like, okay, I'm gonna have to go into grad school for that as well. And I was okay with that. Um, and it seemed to just kind of make sense. That's interesting. Cause there's kind of, as you're talking, I realized there's kind of a little theme where you're kind of just going along life and then you get interested in something. Like there's not, it's funny because you're such a plan, like you're such a planner. You're so strategic that as you're saying this, it's like you just, it's like you just fell down a hill and landed as a counselor. You know, that's, you're absolutely right. Um, And I I hadn't realized that. Um, I am very much a planner. I like to kind of know where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. You know, anytime I'm buying an electronic, I'm definitely researching on Amazon, (laughs) reading all the reviews. But but with a lot of things, I'm, I am kind of following my intuition. Like, where does this path seem like it's leading? I would love to, of course, know the steps to get there. But yeah, I'm definitely much more of like a follow my gut and just kind of see what seems to make sense. So you end up going through the grad school program. Did you <clears throat> did you choose a grad school intentionally or did you kind of just have buddies that were going somewhere? I met my wife on day one of my undergrad uh, I'm from originally from Seattle, grew up uh, in the Seattle area, like actually Seattle. A lot of people will say like, oh, yeah, I'm from Seattle. I'm like, oh, yeah, whereabouts? And they're like Renton or something. I'm like, that's not Seattle proper. So I'm like from Seattle. And my wife is from the Portland area here and where I'm where we live now. And my college roommate was from the Portland area as well. I'd met her over the summer and introduced us day one. So Fast forward, this is a long story short here. We ended up uh, dating in college, got engaged our senior year, and had planned to get married pretty much right after graduating from college. So we gr- we graduated in like June, and like the following December, just a few months later, we were getting married. And as we were planning all of that, and I knew I was going to go to grad school, she was from this Portland area. She wanted to be closer to her family. And that's where we were going to get married. And there was a good grad school down here that was called George Fox University. And it was kind of similar to my undergrad, Seattle Pacific University. And so it just kind of was a natural fit. And so the timing was graduated 
college in June, got married in December, was supposed to start graduate school in January, but there was like this gigantic snowstorm, like one of the biggest snowstorms we've ever had in 2004 that delayed everything by a few weeks. It was like snow, ice, snow, ice, snow. Anyway, so that delayed things. And then I eventually started, it must've been like mid January or maybe early February. So not to focus too much on grad school, but at some point, you know, towards the end of the program, you end up doing the internship. I remember some things about the first time I sat down with a person for the first time. I don't know if you remember yours. Do you remember sitting down with somebody for the first time? I do. Yeah, I can, I can picture the room right now. What was it? uh, What was on your, not necessarily what was on your mind, but what do you remember that experience being like? I remember before that day, telling my wife, okay, I'm going to see a client here for the first time. You know, this is a couple of years of grad school, uh, just sitting in class, learning about stuff, going into that beforehand. And I think she said something like, well, you know, a lot of time, a lot of money into it. I hope you like it (laughs) because I'd never actually done it before. Um, And yeah, I remember thinking, yeah, I, I, I hope I go into this session with these people and that I actually enjoy it. Cause if I don't, man, this is, this is going to be terrible. So I just rolled with it. And yeah, I remember sitting down with them and of course there's tons of nerves, you know, you're sweating like crazy and secure about yourself, thinking all about yourself. But I also remember just coming out of that being like, wow, I did it. And that was actually really fun. I really like just talking with people when I probably in the last five minutes of the, of the hour session, I've got comfortable and was able to just, you know, be myself. But yeah, I just remember being like, yeah, this is me. I just like connecting with people and talking with people and helping people. So it was a ton of nerves, but it was also like, okay, maybe this can be a thing. Okay. So you obviously liked it because here you still are. And one, one of the things that's interesting is you have a extremely natural curiosity you you will regularly say like, and you've said it several times during this podcast that you love people. That is totally true. But I think that that actually drives you uh, because it's so, it's just you, right? So it would make sense. You sit down in front of somebody, you start talking and then all of a sudden you realize, well, wait, I'm curious about this person. And then you just start asking questions and then you drop in and then that's it. Right. And this whole therapeutic process or being a therapist, I mean, kind of provides a vehicle for you to be with with what you love, which is people. I think there are two parts of that, that, uh, that really resonate with me. One of those is like this natural curiosity of just wanting to connect with people and to make people feel comfortable or to know them just being a people person. You know, I, I just naturally enjoy the different kinds of people. You know, I like seeing their personality. I like seeing what they're interested in and what, what motivates them and drives them. So there's just this sort of natural connectedness that goes on. But then on the other side, you can say that that's sort of like a personable side. And then I have this very like analytical side of me uh, in my brain where I want to really understand things. So when somebody's coming in, it's, yeah, I want to care about them and connect with them. But I also really deeply want to understand them. I want to understand how they think, why they think what they think. What drives their behavior? Why did, why did you say that? What, why did you choose those words? What made you decide to do this now versus, you know, a year from a year in, in the past or six months ago? So all of that really kind of leads me to be, I think, just very um, open and interested in people. And it's the thing that, 
you know, in, in a lot of the things that I do, I try to understand and master the things that I'm doing. But the the fun thing and the and the challenging thing about working with people is that you can never really master another person. As much as I know you, as much as I know even my wife, there's still so many things I just have no idea where that came from. Like, how do you think the way you think? I mean, I, I kind of, you know, get, I can kind of get you, but people are always full of surprises. And that's the fun part about it for me. Yeah. So that therein lies kind of the, well, the therapeutic side, the reason to learn about how to be with people. As far as getting, you know, the whole idea of getting into therapy. Um, and so you're sitting down with people, you're getting to know that you really like this. And um, you, at this point, you own it. So you're starting to think at some point about what you're going to do with this. You know, like, what do you do after grad school? How did you, how did that process work for you? And then what do you decide? I think I mentioned in the first episode that I was walking, I remember walking around my internship site. There must have been like, I don't know, six, eight other interns that were there. And it was like this big open area. There were some like office spaces or cubicles around it. And then these actual office rooms that with closed doors that we do our sessions on the outside, the perimeter of it. I remember at some point deciding that I want to have this company. I want to have, you know, some sort of an agency or a clinic. And I always envisioned having a building, you know, that we owned and then we'd have tons of people working working in that office, you know, collaborating together. Of course, you know, me a people person imagining working around other people, not a huge surprise. Yeah, right. <laughs> but at the time I thought like, oh, this is kind of what people do. We sort of dream and start, start start to make some plans. But I remember talking about this with everybody else and saying, you know, hey, you're pretty awesome. I'd love to, you know, stay connected with you and work with you. Would you be interested in doing something like this down the road? And I just remember getting these like blank looks or these like, oh, yeah, sure. And after that, um, you know, a lot of us didn't really stay connected. And I thought, you know, as I began to practice in the field, oh, this isn't something that a lot of people do. Everybody just kind of goes out in the field as in the private practice world. You know, you um, get licensed, you hang up your shingle, you are now, you know, John Doe counseling and everybody's sort of on their own. And I realized that, okay, so what I'm imagining and dreaming of is very different from what everybody else is doing. But I remember also after that, getting connected with you. And there was one time in our, uh, that three office suite that we had when we first moved in together. That's like this relationship where we met, moved in together. And now I guess we got to be married at this point. But we, I remember talking with you and sort of dreaming before our days started. And you said something about a clinic and a building and having lots of other health professionals. And I was like, wait, what did you just say? You were like the very first person that had ever said, yeah, this is kind of what I was envisioning or I've always envisioned for my career. So that kind of gave it some legitimacy of like, maybe this can actually happen. Actually, to be honest, for a while, I'd kind of let go of that idea, just thinking, well, you know, okay, maybe it was just sort of some weird dream or weird idea. But since I met you, it was like, maybe actually this is a reality. <laughs> That's so funny, because I remember you actually doing that. Um, because I know exactly where I was at when you did that. Um, and the reason why is because, because it was so shocking to me that it was shocking to you. Because <laughs> because of what I said earlier, like you were the only person that I'd met mm -hmm. already, right? So, and you did that. And I was like, well, yeah, like I mean, 
that's what we're doing. I mean, <laughs> that's what okay. So I got to see if this this lines up in my head. Where where were you as you remember it? Uh, we were in the hallway. I was in the hallway outside of my office, and you were yeah. you were facing me on the, your side of the office. But I think we were standing in front of the third office in the middle. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm wondering, you know, you open the doors of your own private practice. Obviously, you're, I mean, you're by yourself at that point. Were you were you working for the clinic uh, at the same time you were doing your? Did you have any overlap there? Yeah, I did. the way The way I've always uh, described it was that. I kind of have these two um, these two bars going, you know, on on the one side, um, kind of holding my left hand here. I've got this one bar that's like at its max. That's my full time job, you know, that's paying the bills, giving us some. Uh, maybe we're using for some for health insurance at the time, and you know, it's providing just a stable income, a ton of uh, of experience. And on the other side, on my right hand, that bar is like at you know very low, starting my private practice. And I was really just trying to build out all of the structures and all of do all the learning of what it means to start a business and, you know, get clients and uh, make your, your name known and do some marketing. So that right hand side was kind of building up really, really slowly over time over the first, you know, year or two. And there was a period at which essentially I was working full time on the one job and maybe like a quarter time of the private practice or a third of the time of private practice. And it was beginning to be too much. It was beginning to be a lot. And so I was like, okay, I need to sort of scale back my, my full-time job to make some space for more private practice clients. Cause I knew that's where I wanted to go. And so I think I dropped that to like half time. So I was like half time in this stable job and then, you know, quarter time at my private practice and that begin began to grow. And I still remember, and I talk with my wife about this all the time, where there were periods at which uh, I would, we would sort of celebrate together like, oh, I've, I had like five clients this week. That was amazing. And then when I hit 10, I was like, wow, I can't believe I had 10 clients this entire week. Um, you know, which would be like two people a day if you worked Monday through Friday. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a point at which and I, don't, I don't remember the numbers, but I I, I needed to, to hit a certain regular number of, of private practice clients before I could quit the full time job. And that was such a terrifying move because, you know, the stable job is providing just a lot of consistency and security for my wife. And we had a we had a, a kid at the time, you know, my my oldest son. And uh, but when I took the plunge, it was like, oh, yeah, this is this has been working out for several years and it's continuing to, to work out. And it really wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. I just was kind of making it out to be scary than it was, which has been, we'll talk about this more as we get onto the podcast about, you know, taking steps into or leaps into things that we're doing and sort of being afraid and realizing that it's kind of all in your head sort of a thing. But that was kind of the first big leap that I had taken, but I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a leap that a lot of people as we both learned, just don't do. And some of it, you know, and, and I, I don't really want to focus on this, but I guess I just want to highlight it that when you're doing the two jobs at the same time, there's a lot of folks that I find that it's pretty normal to start out in private practice in that way. And if you're not willing to do that, you're probably not going to start out in private practice unless you've got some other kind of, you know, backing of some sort, but circling back, you're doing your practice is starting to be successful. 
and it's starting to get to where like you you've kind of arrived at you know and you're doing this and then and now it's a day in and it's day out and it's day in and it's day out there's the isolation piece that can occur and i'm wondering for you what was that like so i was in this um beautiful office building i i still love it to this day i think it's it's awesome but I think we had said in the last uh, the last podcast that my my view, which was so beautiful and so natural, just completely went away almost overnight. And I was I was still a little bit bitter about it because I love that space. But it was like this this converted house. So you walk in. There's this open area with seating, and then offices off of it. And so I had there were a couple of other therapists there that I I know some colleagues that I'm pretty uh, connected with, and. We would talk on occasion, but if we were to leave our offices, we would walk out into the waiting room where our clients would be. So we could really only talk if both of our clients were not there or if I went into their office or they went into mine. So really, most of the time, we were so busy with our own schedules and they were just not lining up with that. We just wouldn't talk hardly at all. So that meant day in and day out, I'm doing all these, you know, all these sessions with clients you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to the field and I'm trying to figure things out. And I just have all these thoughts of like, man, I, I think this is the right thing, or I think I'm going in the right direction, but man, I just don't even really know. I would love to just bounce this off of somebody to be like, is this, is this normal? Is this right? But I just kept all those things to myself. Um, on occasion I would, you know, reach out to, to them, or I don't remember if I had uh, connected with you just yet, but when you started the consultation group, that supervision group with a couple of other ladies that we still meet now. I think it's been like eight or nine years. It was incredible to be able to say, you know, hey, here's a case and this is what I'm doing. You know, what what are your what are your eyes on this? And then I could get feedback about things that I might be doing well or just a different perspective on things. And man, just that that ability to share the process, share the insecurities, the the unknowns with somebody else was just amazing. And it was like being on, you know, cast being Tom Hanks and Castaway for so many years. And then finally being around other people, it was like, Oh, I just, I just want to soak this up ever since that. I mean, I've never looked back and I just, I can't imagine being a therapist and being by myself because we really do carry a, a huge burden a lot. Yeah. I don't think you you know, as a therapist, you don't really realize that burden until you start talking with other therapists about, you know, they start sharing about something and then you're like, then you realize you have something to add and you can identify. And then <laughs> it's really cool, but it's also kind of a self-realization of how much that is going on in your own head all the time. As you're, there's the one aspect of being a therapist, but you're also a clinical supervisor. So how did that work for you? I mean, how did you decide to do that or why did you decide to do that? It was kind of a natural process. Obviously, it's just another extension of helping people. But I just got to a point where within my schedule, I was only able to see so many people, you know, so if I've got limited number of spaces, but then people are still calling me, I'm developing this waiting list. And of course, I feel bad about that. I want I want to help these people. Um, but I'm not able to help them myself. Or maybe I get some people that are coming to me for for help with with, uh, in areas that I'm not skilled at, they, these aren't my specialties, but I want to find somebody that is skilled in that area that I trust and that I can refer them to. So that's when I decided, you know, I would love to be able to sort of train up the next generation of people or to help therapists 
discover who they are and become their best selves to help them hone their skills. Cause I kind of had a good thing going. I felt like I was doing a good job, getting good feedback from clients, um, getting a steady stream of referrals. So I just decided I'm going to start growing this thing. And I think it was really after meeting with you and, uh, you know, moving in with you that you sort of lit my fire to, cause you were, you were like a step ahead of me and I was like, Oh, this is what I want to be doing. I need to like catch up to Nate. <laughs> and so I just started kind of doing some of the thing, same things that you were doing, but I, I always knew that I wanted to do these things. I just kind of needed permission and some confidence to do it. And you really provided that for me. So I started doing that. And as I was supervising, uh, I was realizing, man, this is so incredible. This isn't just helping one person. This is helping a therapist who's going to have a caseload of another 20 or 30 people, and they're going to be impacting those lives you know, at a time. And man, just that exponential impact that I could have was really exciting to me. And it was helping people in a slightly different way, uh, not digging in as deeply to some deeper issues with people, but as supervisees, helping them just to work through some of their own stuff and get comfortable and confident in their self, their selves, because by nature, I am an encourager. I love to give people encouragement and tell them what they're doing well and see the good in people. So it w- was just another natural extension for me of a way of helping people and in, in doing what I'm doing. And I have to say, for those of you out there, there, there is no arrogance in this man. He is the most naturally honoring person um, and very empathic, like he's saying. It's just stating facts. And if the, the, um, I just thought of something though, that I really want to stick so bad. I think I'm going to call you the people amoeba. Cause like you just <laughs> swallow people. <laughs> just Cause you, you really just thrive in that connection and, and you tune into connections as they kind of concentrically move out. I think that you hold yourself responsible about trying to maintain that connection. So, and that's where the flow and influence comes through, through your employees, uh, making sure that they're treating people right and that kind of thing. So the business owner component got expanded for you. And, uh, then we, you know, you move on, you get that you're doing the supervisor thing. Right. And then now here we are talking on these microphones. So, <laughs> I mean, there's leaps in there. How right? did that happen? <laughs> but I figured, you know, it's, we need to give you a chance. I want to hear about your thoughts about why podcasting? How do you get here? Kind of the natural evolution, you know, of things, helping people, um, connecting with people. As my business started to grow and I'm, you know, hiring people and just really enjoying working around a larger group of people, I'm realizing there's this whole other side of me and this whole other side of what we get to do as uh, as therapists, business owners, that's like not talked about in private practice, uh, not talked about in the therapy world at all, which is owning and running a business. Looking back, I can see how I've, I've kind of always been somewhat entrepreneurial. And definitely now I, I own that and see that in myself. Um, and I've shared that with, with you a lot, Nate, um, which has been so exciting. And we have you know, for the things that we've accomplished, we've got a whole, uh, like Google spreadsheet. That's my thing. I've got the Google spreadsheet on list of things, other ideas that we've generated just in passing, like, Oh, it'd be cool if we could do this. Um, Oh, it'd be cool if we launched this product or whatever that never come into fruition, but it's cool to just think about. But yeah, just the business side of things is it utilizes a different kind of a creativity and skill set than, 
being a therapist, um, some of them definitely apply, you know, because you as a as a manager or supervisor, I still want to care about people and connect with them and understand their needs in that way. But there are some other things that are just really interesting and exciting about being a business owner. I uh, am working on an e-course on boundaries um, over this past year. That's just been really fun and exciting just to innovate and to use my creativity and release something that can be helpful to people in that way through an e-course. And then, uh, honestly, we went to uh, Joe Sanok's camp for for therapists last October. And, you know, Joe Sanok is this uh, private practice guru who has this, he's been podcasting for, I don't know, probably six or eight years or so now. He's kind of the, one of the tops in, in our field in this area, just a wealth of information and resource. Really, he's definitely focused on the business side of things and listening to his podcast over the last few years really lit a fire for me of like, wow, this is really interesting. This is really exciting. I want to do more of that. That's, you know, that, that hunger for novelty and excitement and also the challenge of like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. And that's really what podcasting has been for me. You know, I, at first when he said this at, at our camp in Colorado, he said, you guys need to be podcasters because there are a lot of therapists out there, but not very many of them are like in the public sphere and in, in podcasting. And people are really hungering for that. They're really looking for, for um, help or insight or guidance with uh, the things that they're going through in relationships or trauma or, you know, whatever they have going on. And so I just kind of dismissed it like, ah, oh, that's not for me. That's way out of my league. And somewhere along the line, that kind of changed, you know, you and I just had conversations, maybe it was like a seed that was in my brain that just began to grow over time. The idea was always interesting to me. I think really, it was a lot of I just don't think that that's me that I can do that. But as I worked through that over the, the last several months, I realized I want to do this. What's stopping me? You know, and Joe would put out these um, Facebook Live uh, videos challenging us to not hold ourselves back, but to really pursue our dreams and to just take the next step and not be paralyzed by perfection, which is definitely something I, I struggle with. You know, I want to have a plan for it. And if I don't have it figured out, then I'm not going to take the step. And I just have tried to throw that out the window and say, this is something you and I really want to do. We want to talk and connect and share some of our experiences with people and help them in that way. And um, so we just started taking the steps. And I'm so glad that we're doing it because here we are. This is really exciting. It's like the beginning of a whole new adventure together. Yes, this is great. It's been great getting to know you on a between you and me on a on a pretty deep level. But I think for for the audience, um, I think that they probably have a a much better understanding of kind of how you've the soup to nuts, so to speak. <laughs> no pun intended on the nuts. Um, but and we've got to close up here. But I'm wondering if there's a takeaway that you'd like people to have for myself. Um, really, for my life, I I feel like I just didn't really know myself and really struggled with a lot of uh, fear and insecurity, just seeing myself really not in an accurate way. But the more I just cared about people and just stepped out into some of these adventures that I've been doing, the more I realized that um, there's a lot of world and a lot of people and a lot of things out there that are really interesting and exciting to a lot of us but we kind of hold ourselves back. I'm not going to say the sort of cliche, you know, if you believe in yourself, you can do whatever you want to do sort of a thing. But like, if you have an idea, if you have something that you might be interested in, 
but you're afraid of doing it for some reason, I, I want this podcast for me to be about challenging that, um, pushing through some of those preconceived ideas about what you think you can do or what you think you are, are capable of or is appropriate for you. And to maybe challenge that, to see yourself in some new ways, because as as you've heard in my journey, you know, I thought I was just this this counselor, just help people and sort of stay in that lane. But that's really grown and that's really reflected more of who I am over the last several years. So um, long answer to a short question, um, I guess, would just be just to challenge those fears and to not let fears and insecurity rule you, but to push past that to see what's on the other side of it, because it might be something that's really exciting and really interesting. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, it's been great getting to meet you. And uh, I guess in the next podcast, we're going to meet me. That's right. I'm going to flip the tables and we can hear all about you. All right. That's great. For all you out there, hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course.